Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I told the last service that I was thankful Jordan didn't delete that very last part, that woo, because that was Jordan, by the way. Uh, and I, I'm very grateful for that because that's how I feel at Christmas time. Uh, my, my name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here. I'm so glad to be here with, with all of you and those joining us online because worshiping God together is a privilege. Uh, and it's, it's a great joy to share that with you. Uh, when I think about Christmas time, as I mentioned, I, I always get excited. As a little kid, it was my favorite time of year. Yes, I did enjoy the presents. Um, yes, but, but, but I also enjoyed the family traditions we had. We, we did the same thing every year. We were always together. I enjoyed um, the stuff. I was the, the weird kid that even liked it when Christmas um, was on a Sunday and we got to be at church with our church family and I loved that. I know that's weird. Um, I acknowledge that before, before you. Um, I also, so our church growing up, we would do we would spend about three weeks um, getting ready for um, telling the, the Christmas story um, through nine different stations around our parking lot. People would come and drive through and we would have um, people in, co- in costumes and live animals and we would act out the Christmas story. And, and I love doing that because we got to do it. It's one time a year where I saw the whole church joining together to do that. And that was just awesome to me as a, as a, a little boy. I, I liked it all. I enjoyed it all. And as I reflected on that this week, um, I, I was thinking about, you know, what is it, what is it that, that made me like that so much? And I think part of the reason for me um, was that I found great joy in Christmas because things in my family were always consistent. I knew what to expect, and I liked that. I mean, I think we all like it to some degree, but my personality likes that when I know what to expect. And so I knew what to expect. I liked that. But, but as I've grown older... Traditions have changed. As I've grown older, um, we've lost family members. As I've grown older, our extended family, um, we don't live close to any of our extended family. As I've lived older, traditions have changed. And and as I think about that, I'm thankful that we've been able to create new traditions here. Um, But things have changed. Much of the constant has changed. And I recognize that for some of you, um, Christmas has often been a time of frustration or unmet expectations. For, for many of us, then when we, when we tie in Christmas in 2020, um, there's just all sorts of things that are different, right? There's all sorts of things going on around us. And, and there's, there's even this, this, under, this idea that things aren't how they're supposed to be at Christmas time right now. And so there's this underlying sense of a bit of grief or sadness, that we may not even really be able to express. That might be because of stuff going on in our world. That might be because of things in our marriages or families or, um, or, or just recognizing in hard circumstances. It's just not what it's meant to be. But as we come together this morning, we come from all sorts of circumstances. I know a lot of what you're going through. We've got people kind of on the mountaintops rejoicing, but we also have people that are really struggling right now. And so as we come together this morning, I want to remind you that we celebrate Christmas every year. And the reason we celebrate Christmas is not because things are great this year, so we're going to celebrate. Next year, things aren't, so we're not. 
We celebrate Christmas every year because of the fact that the Lord and creator of all the universe became a little baby to come and live a perfect life, to pay the penalty for our sins, to die on the cross, that that his children, those who believe in him, might have hope, might have joy, might have the promise that he is going to restore all things. But because we all come in with different circumstances, I want to ask you to do something with me if you're willing. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. I'm going to to say it first, and then I'll give you a chance to pray it with me. And it's, Lord, during this Christmas season, please refocus my mind and heart on you and the joy you bring. Will you pray that with me? Dear Lord, in this Christmas season, Please refocus my mind and heart on you and the joy you bring. Lord, even as we pray that prayer, Lord, that's a hard prayer for some who are in here this morning. Lord, as we pray that prayer, Lord, it may be a prayer many of us have prayed and and we don't even take it fully to heart today. But Lord, I ask that this morning, Lord, first you would give me faith to believe that in every area of my life. Then Lord, that that you would give us as we are gathered here and, and online, that you would give us faith to believe that this morning. That this message of Christmas is is for us and that it's for those around us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going to see simply Jesus came to restore joy for his people. And we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Very quickly, let me tell you that, so we've been in Matthew. We've been talking about Jesus as the baby um, during this Christmas season. Then we talked about Jesus as a toddler. Um, and, and that time, and now we fast forward 25 years, all right, because we're coming to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The only thing we've heard about Jesus, nothing else in the, in the gospel of Matthew. In the, in the gospel of Luke, we have one story from when he was 12 years old, and he was in the temple, and he was, he was instructing leaders of the temple. We're not going to talk about that one today. We fast forwarded now to 25 years later, and Jesus' public ministry is about to begin. And here is the word of God in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Let me go ahead and acknowledge, um, some of you were tracking with me. Some of you were like, okay, good, we're going to talk about joy. And Jesus came to restore the joy to his people this morning. And you were on board with me. And then I read that passage and you might have looked down and thought, am I looking at the right verses? Is Lauren putting up the right stuff on the screen? Because the word joy is not in that passage. But I believe this passage, that in this passage, there is a reason for joy. And there is a reason to respond. So let's start with the first thing, the reason for joy. What is that reason? Well, there's a phrase here. And the reason for joy is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Now this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, appears 32 times in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, it carries the same meaning as the kingdom of God phrase used by Luke. But, but what Matthew's doing is he's talking to the Jewish people who would not use the proper name for God um, and would not speak that out loud. And so he's speaking to them. And in this, phrase, in this case, he's, he's um, um, putting in the, the kingdom of heaven in place of the kingdom of God. And so for our purposes this morning, those two, we're, we're saying that those two mean the same thing. And so when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, it's a pretty big concept. I could spend multiple sermons on the kingdom of heaven. And instead, I'm going to spend just a minute um, for, to, to set some groundwork here. Because briefly, we know in one sense that the entire universe belongs to God. He is sovereign. He created it. He's ruler and reigner over all the universe, right? The word for, used for kingdom in this passage, though, means rule and reign. And so what we're talking about here is we're, we're focusing on God's rule and God's reign when we say kingdom of heaven. God's rule and God's reign. It's not a place. It's his rule and reign in our lives and, 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 and on the earth. And so by using the word translated kingdom, um, and Matthew's emphasizing that God's rule, his reign, is forever and ever, yes, that is true. And while that is true already, and that does not change, there is also the reality that it has not been fully realized on this earth. When my kids, about five years ago, my little one was two. I have three boys. I mean, if you don't know that, my, my little one is two. And I got up on a Saturday morning, and Saturday mornings when we, they, we would let them get up and play, and, and usually that lasted as long as they would actually play and not fight. Um, and so I get up, I come out, they're playing together, and my little one is in a pull-up, and he has a sword and a crown on his head, and that's it. And he's running around with his brothers, and they're running from room to room, and there is a war waging um, they are battling something. And I'm not completely sure what's going on at this point. Um, but I'm like, well, that's fine. They're happy. So uh, I went. Uh, they weren't hurting each other. They were happy. So I went and got um, some coffee. And I sat down to read my Bible. I'm sitting there uh, on the couch. And they go to this room. And they, you hear a battle. And they come out in the light. They leave the light on. They go in this room. They, you hear a battle. They come out. They leave the light on. And then they go into this other room. And I'm watching them. And it's loud in there, and it was a rough one. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But they come out of the room, they turn the light off, they close the door, and the little one, two-year-old, comes running up to me, and I'm waiting to see what's about to happen. He goes, there's no hope there. <laughs> I, looked at, I didn't really fully understand him, but I looked at my, my older son, I said, what did he say? He said, there's no hope there, that room's lost. <laughs> We're not gonna conquer that one. You know, the reality is there are places where God's rule and reign have not been made known yet, both in this world and in our hearts. But none of those places are beyond hope. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. His rule and his reign is at hand. But those places exist because sin entered the world. Our relationship with God was broken. Now humans, men and women, boys and girls, we don't always recognize or acknowledge His rule and His reign in our hearts or in places in the world around us. Because we want to be God in our own lives. We don't trust 
God. We don't trust him. We don't trust that. We, we think he, if, if I trust him, he might not let me have the approval I crave. He might not let me have the stuff I want, the comfort and security I long for and pursue every day. And so instead, we, we tend to ignore him. We want to make our own decisions. And, and yes, the world out there lives like it doesn't need him. But there are places in all of our lives that we don't want to open that door. We want to say that's beyond hope. Matthew had come, and, and John, John the Baptist has come, and, and they're acknowledging that the people of Israel needed Jesus, needed the Messiah, needed the Savior, needed his kingdom to come, his rule and his reign. That the people in Jesus' day, they needed it. But the reality is, so do we today. So do we today. Because the kingdom of heaven is not a specific place, but it's where our lives are submitted to his rule and his reign. It's the situation where God demonstrates his rule by declaring restoration of his people, those who believe in Jesus, with himself. By declaring and bringing about restoration from one of his, his people to another of his people. By bringing restoration, giving us glimpses of this as we see things in this world being made right. And ultimately in the fulfillment of the promised restoration in the new heavens and the new earth. And so John's message to the people says this kingdom... This restoration, it's at hand. It is here. The people of Israel had been looking for it for 400 years. Because of their disobedience, there had been silence. They'd been looking for it for 400 years. And now John's on the scene and he's going, it is here. The one you've been waiting on is here. We see that in, in um, Luke chapter 2, in the Christmas story, um, because the, the shepherds are out in a field, says they're keeping watch over their flocks by night, and totally out of their framework, this thing happens in the sky, and this angel comes in the sky to tell them a message. Now, out of their framework, fear would be the first thing that would come to them, right? There's going to be fear. The angel says, No, fear not, don't be afraid. And he says, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto, this day, unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born, and he is Christ the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Colette said it earlier um, in, the, in the video. Colette was the mom. Colette said, they realized they were smack dab in the middle of a miracle. But y'all, today, I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but today we are smack dab in the middle of a miracle. Because God is bringing people from death to life. He's, he's bringing people new life. Because God is at work. And, and sometimes we don't get it, sometimes we don't see it, but He is working. He is working and we are in the middle of that. And we get to be a part of that. It's joyful news. The kingdom of heaven is here because it reminds us that Christ has come. 
but also that he is coming again. And so all the hurt and the pain and the brokenness, the broken dreams, the disappointments, broken promises, there is a time coming when all those things will be gone. And it also means we get to be a part of it now. We get to be a part of seeing his kingdom come. You see, if Jesus came to restore joy for his people, that means that joy can be restored. You you get what I'm saying there? The sovereign king over all the earth came to restore joy for his people. That means joy can be restored. And if that is true, then there is a reason to respond. And that's our second main point. And in this, we see two responses in our passage. The first we see is in verse 3. And that response is to prepare the way. Verse 3 is talking of John, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and he cries out, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Matthew, um, Matthew knows, Matthew's talking to a Jew- Jewish audience. And Matthew knows it's important to make the connection here. That this John is like Elijah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament that spoke of the Messiah to come. And so he's tying this connection in here. Um, And that's why he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. That's what this verse is in in verse 3 of our passage. That's why he quotes from it. He's trying to tie it together for them to really prove to them, hey, he's here. And I'm the one that's supposed to be telling about him. And so he comes and he says it. And then in verse 4 of our chapter, he says, he talks about the clothes he was wearing. And he says he wore a cloak of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and he ate locust and honey. Because that is what the scripture says Elijah was doing. And so they're tying all that together. And that would be important for the people of Israel. You may not find that as cool as I do this morning, but it's an important fact um, in the context of our story. And then the passage that is quoted from Isaiah 40 verse 3 shows us what the job, the job that John has. He is proclaiming, crying out, the King Jesus, the Messiah is here. And he's preparing the way and making straight his paths. Now in the culture of the day, um, in the ancient Near East, when a king was coming, they would carve out the road. So sometimes roads had to be created, and so they'd they'd make a new road. Or often um, there'd be holes in the road, and the roads weren't in good shape, so the holes would be filled in. Um, All the things, the bushes, the things around the the road would be cleared out um, to make way for the king to come. And when I think about, I love about that. I love sports, and I like watching football. And so I think about the guy, the, the offensive team receives the ball on a kickoff. They're around the, the goal line. And what do the ten other people on the team do? The ten other people on the team are blocking and making a way, hopefully, for the guy to run from one end to the other and score. Now, for some of you, you don't like football, so let me give you another one. Right? Another illustration is from the movie Aladdin. All right. When Aladdin's coming into the city, he's been made a prince uh, by the genie and all that just sounds weird saying it. But um, as he's coming into the city, what do they sing? Make way for Prince Ali. Some of you almost started singing, I know. Um, They sing make way for Prince Ali. Make way for this royal one. Make way for this this great king that's coming in. That's what John is proclaiming here. Make way. Prepare the way for him. John, John did it as a baby. And so, and, and he did, and so you remember what happened? They told the story in the, in the video. Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, goes to visit Elizabeth, 
who's pregnant with John, and when the sound of Mary's greeting reaches Elizabeth, says she was filled with the Spirit, and, and here's what happened. It says the baby, John, leapt in the womb for joy. So even as a baby, he's leaping for joy that, that this Jesus is here, this kingdom of heaven is here. And then he keeps on now as an adult. He is proclaiming that the king's rule and reign are here, that he has come to restore joy for his people. For us today, we're, we're not the prophet John. There was only one of those. But we are followers of Jesus. And we are to be about seeing his kingdom come. He is coming again. And we are to be preparing the way for that, his kingdom coming here on earth. And so are we asking him, are we preparing for Jesus to come by asking Jesus to rule and reign in every area of our lives? And then second, are we asking him where he wants us to be a part of seeing his rule and reign come on this earth? You know how we do that? We look at the things he says are good for his people in his word. We look at the things he tells us are good for us to be a part of. Some of those things might be that we know he has called us to care for the widow and orphan. We know he has called us to make Jesus known to our children. We know he has called us to proclaim him to the world. We know he's called us to be compassionate, to put others before ourselves. We know he's called us to use our resources to prepare the way for him. If we're committed to be a part of this, then our hearts must be prepped for Jesus who is coming again. What needs to happen then in our hearts? This is the second response we see in our passage. And it's in verse 2. And it begins the, the, the message. It is repent. Repent is the response to this news. Now, often when I say, when we, when we use the word repentance, we think of the words, I'm sorry, right? And then often we, you know, if you think about little kids when they do something wrong and they know they're about to get in trouble, what do they do? Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, trying to avoid the consequences, right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And maybe even as some little bit older kids, we might with our spouse quickly be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because we want to avoid the emotion or hard conversation. We don't really want to think about what we're feeling in that. Often we treat repentance this way with God. We say, I'm sorry, quickly. And the, the root of why we do that, the reason we're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, is because we're afraid that God's not going to be happy with us. We think we've got to keep God happy so that he'll do for us what we want. But the Greek word for repentance means a change of mind. And with that change of mind comes a change of heart and a change of action. In the context of our passage, it means to change from being about your kingdom, having the, the things the way you want or the way you think is best, doing it your way, and turning to what God says is good for you turning to his rule and reign in every area of your life. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, 
This is an invitation for you to have a change of mind and heart. To believe that there is a God and that that God rules and reigns and that he knows much more than you do. It's an invitation to that today. Will you turn away from what you think is best and turn to him and what he says is good? His his kingdom, his way, is going to bring ultimate joy and restoration to his people. And his way will allow you to see and participate in glimpses of that restoration now. All those causes that you might see that you think are good and noble and right, his way allows us to be a part of that. But there's also a warning. And the warning is if you refuse to turn to him, the restoration to real joy will never come. There is only one source of joy. And it is through Jesus. And the the fact is the Bible says if you refuse to turn to him, what you'll receive is completely opposite from that. And if we are a follower of Jesus, repentance for us is also a daily thing. Repentance is a daily thing because through the work of Jesus, now now I want to be clear here, all right? Through the work of Jesus, if you are trusting in what Jesus has done, you have been declared righteous. Not by some panel of people, not by the, the, the people that know you best, no, by Jesus. You have been declared righteous through his work. You've had a change of mind and heart. You've said, you've you've had a change even that's affecting your actions. And we've said, God, I want you to rule and reign in my life. And there is a need for repentance daily in our lives. Not because God is going to forget that he declared us righteous. We act sometimes like, oh, maybe God forgot. I gotta gotta repent, repent, repent. And and we, we we turn it into a work. It's not what we're talking about here. God hasn't forgot that he declared us righteous. He hasn't, our sin has not caused him to stop loving us as his children. But because we submit to his rule and reign in our lives, when when we repent and submit to him, he receives glory and he restores our joy again and again and again. Tim Keller, in his booklet, All Life is Repentance, says this. In the gospel, the purpose of repentance is to repeatedly tap into the joy of our union with Christ, to weaken our impulse to do anything contrary to God's heart. Just read that for a minute again to yourselves. Jesus came to restore joy to his people. And we started today talking about unmet expectations, talking about the way things aren't what we want them to be right now. In those places where that's going on in our hearts, where, where what, let me say that differently, in those places where our hearts are saying, Lord, we don't want you to rule and reign here. 
then we repent, we turn back to him. And he restores that joy because he's ruling and reigning in his rightful place in our lives. And then we join with him. We join with him in seeing the kingdom of heaven come in all those ways we looked at that are good in his word. All those ways he says are good for us. Because this isn't just about us. This is about his kingdom coming, yes, in our hearts. But that the world might see glimpses of this restoration day by day. And so this morning, as as we prepare for the Lord's table, I want to ask you to just take a minute. I'll give you a couple minutes. and And I want you to go before the Lord silently and ask him to show you those places If there's a place in your life where you're saying, Lord, I don't want you to rule and reign in my life. Or Lord, I know you're you're calling me to be a part of this place of seeing your kingdom come. And I don't want to be a part of that. Take a minute. Use this time to prepare your hearts uh, for the Lord's table. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.